0: Father God, we just thank you that you do promise to open the windows of heaven over us and pour out a blessing that we cannot contain when we choose to give. We thank you that you are a generous God, Father, and we just pray that you would bless those who give today, Father, both online and here in person. And Lord, we just lift up this time to get together before you, Father, and we thank you for the opportunity for me to bring this message this morning, Father. And I just pray that you would help me to speak clearly, to, to take away anything I should not be saying, and to, Holy Spirit, have free reign for anything that you want to add. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So how are we doing? We're good? All right. We're good. Sam gave me the the nod that they can hear me. So that's a good thing. So this morning I titled my message Transformed Relationships. Transformed Relationships. So there's so many stories in the Bible about relationships being transformed. People one day separated from family and friends and God, and then bam. There's some kind of encounter or event that suddenly trans and suddenly transformation occurs. Even with our own lives, we're in this building today or watching online because part, uh, we came to a point in our life where we experienced transformation. We were doing life. Something caused us to look in a different direction or take a different path, and we were transformed, changed from the inside out, from sinner to saint, from unworthy to worthy, rescued from darkness, and moved to that of the redeemed. And that was a good day, right? Yes. Yes. Romans 13, 11 from the Passion Translation says this, For time is running out, and you know it is a strategic hour in human history. It is time for us to wake up, for our full salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Okay? How many know from the signs that are happening in the world today that we are definitely heading, to, we are in the last days, right? I don't know how long those last days will last. <laughs> You know, 2000 years ago, they thought they were in the last days, and technically, I guess they were. And we are too today. But time is short, church. Have you ever gone to a great conference, listened to a motivational speaker? Anybody? Maybe you left here after hearing one of my messages and were fired up. No, just kidding. <laughs> or maybe you've walked out of here on a Sunday morning fired up, right? Pastor Ben's message, I'm sure. Ready to move, ready to change. Determined to make the change, to get into the Word, maybe to, to start t- uh, spend more time praying, to get in shape or eat better, and the list could go on and on. And maybe we get up early on Monday morning and on Tuesday morning and we open our Bible and we pray or we go to the gym, but then Wednesday rolls around and that snooze button wins over our determination to change uh, from a commitment that we just made a few days earlier. Anybody else experienced that in life? Yeah, we all have, right? Never, <laughs> never. <laughs> so there's an old saying that the uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. God wants us to have a life of more than just good intentions. He desires us for us, to ha- for us to have a life of abundance, a life of fulfilling our destiny, and a transformed life. So why do we do this? We get excited, we commit to this change, and then fall back into old habits. And it's called, I call it, you know, motivation versus inspiration. And this is my point of view on things that, and this is how I see it and how I believe it to be, that motivation is really an external force. We hear the message, it fires us up, but after we remove from hearing the message or we've heard it a few times, the motivation wanes, right? And it doesn't excite us as much as it did when we first heard it. You know what I mean? We hear this new praise and worship song, and we love it. It moves us to tears. The words are powerful. We hear the choir singing. We hear the tune of the music, and it's amazing. We are just, you know, it just moves us. It becomes our new favorite song, but then something happens. We put it on repeat. It's the first song we listen to every time we get into our car. And the more we listen, the less we're moved and somewhere around the third or fourth time maybe the tears no longer come and then around the 10th we're just singing along but the feelings aren't as strong and around the 25th time it's just another song song still good but not as moving this is like motivation it dwindles over time inspiration is inter- is internal It comes from our core. It transforms. We are moved to change and nothing is going to stop us. Holy Spirit comes in and sets up shop and we can't help ourselves but be transformed. We surrender. Inspire means to breathe into. And in fact, back in the 16th century, doctors used inspire as the meaning of drawing air into one's lungs. One of the meanings of it is a divine influence or action on a person believed to qualify him or her to receive and communicate sacred revelation or the action or power of moving the intellect or emotions. With motivation, the emotions wane. With inspirations, God's divine influence breathed into you, it can create change. I found one other description online about the two, and it says inspiration is the force that encourages you to achieve your goals. On the other hand, motivation gives you the energy to accomplish those goals. It's a force that helps you overcome obstacles and push you further. So what does all this have to do with transformed relationships? Lots. We're going to need the inspired Word of God, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and we need true transformation from within if we're going to truly live out the life that God desires for us so first let's define transform and this comes from my commentary It says the Greek word metamorpho which means to change form as in the English word metamorphosis in Paul's letters the word used to describe an inward metabolic like renewal of a Christian's mind through which an inner spirit is changed into the likeness of Christ Paul told the Roman believers, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The best way to escape conforming to this world is not trying to be unlike the world, but by allowing ourselves to become like Christ. The change is not affected by a change in outward behavior, but by a change in one's thinking. Transformation begins in the mind and continues in the mind. A transformed mind produces transformed behavior. So as our Christian life progresses, we should gradually notice that our thought life is being changed from Christlessness to Christlikeness. Transformation may not happen overnight. We are transformed into Christ's images gradually as we spend time in intimate fellowship with him. Eventually, we'll begin to mirror the one we are with. What is that old saying, uh, Jim Rohn or Jim Collins or somebody? You, you know, you become like the five, person, five people you associate with the most. So who are you associating with? Hopefully, Jesus is the first, right? So you can start mirroring him. Paul said, but we with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror of the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So this kind of transformation does not come from conscious imitation, but from a spiritual communion from the Lord. We cannot decide to imitate Jesus and do so perfectly. We must spend time with the Lord, and gradually we will mirror him. The result will be beyond any expectation and imagination. The Apostle Apostle John said it well. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him just like he is. So I've got three points from a message today, and they all come from Romans 12. And it's not only about a path to transforming us, but also our relationships. So point one from Romans 12, verse 10 it says, and this is from the Passion, It says, and I love the wording of it. It says, try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor for one another. Now, obviously, we should honor God in all that we do. That's very important. But the way this verse is worded, I want to look at this in the way we should honor and respect others. Now, I don't want to keep bringing up the past few years in messages, And I know we're all sick of hearing about it, but honestly, there's so many good examples we can take from the actions of us and others over the past while. So here we go. What would this period of time that we've just been through and are still experiencing a little bit have looked like if we had honored and respected others' opinions instead of allowing them to become points of division and strife? Self-reflection question. What would it have been like? Ephesians 4.2 says this, With tender humility and quiet patience, always, when? Always, demonstrate greatness and generous love towards another, one another, especially those who may try your patience. And if you actually look at the Aramaic version, uh, the Arama- Aramaic meaning of the word, um, uh, where am I? The Aramaic word of the word stretching in that verse, so stretching, right? The Aramaic word means to demonstrate gentleness and stretching. Oh, sorry. I'm all messed up now. That word, generous in the verse, literally means stretching. There we go. Now I'm back on track. Generous means stretching. So we should demonstrate gentleness and stretching love towards one another. Now, we all know that stretching could be good for us, but it can also hurt. Okay? And First Peter 2.17 says, honor everyone last time i checked everyone means everyone not some so right now our local community foundation is running pay it forward may where all sorts of businesses are doing kind things for other businesses and people are doing nice things for other people and it's all posted all over social media for everyone to say for everyone to see right and i'm not saying this is a bad thing and i personally think it's actually a really great program and a good reminder to pay it forward and it's playing a part in restoring some of the division that has happened over this during the season. However, what if we paid made extra effort to pay it forward the other 11 months of the year. Consistently looking ways to do kind things for others. And I believe this would be a great way to show honor and respect as we are told to do so by Paul. <clears throat> when it comes to the respect part of that verse, Throughout Scripture, we're actually instructed to respect the aged, rulers, someone who hosts us, and one another. That pretty much covers everyone. Respect means to have an attitude of reverence or difference, reflecting an appreciation of the significance of the person or thing that is esteemed. So we need to try to outdo ourselves in respect and honor for others. Point two comes from Romans 12, 14. Speak blessing, not cursing, over those who reject and persecute you. (laughs) What? Really? Do I have to? Yes. This one's a bit more challenging for us to carry out in our earthly state, especially with all of our emotions and feelings that we have as humans. If we're not careful, this is where offense will come in, division starts to occur, and relationships are ruined instead of transformed. Jesus himself challenges us with this in Matthew 5:44. He says, "But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on evil and on the good; he sends rain on the just and unjust. For if you love those only who love you, what reward do you have? This is Jesus talking. Do not even the tax collectors do the same?" And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Sounds pretty simple. How are you doing in that area? Are you perfect yet? No, why not? I'm just kidding. This is hard, especially when we feel like we're being attacked. So besides what Jesus went through on the cross, there's another powerful story of speaking blessing, not cursing in the Bible. And I took this from, uh, from John Maxwell's book, Lear- Learning from the Giants, and it's, a sto- it's in story form, okay? <clears throat> Around the corner comes a small man less than five feet tall. He wears a robe that is spectacular. It's vibrant green and shimmers as he walks, the light reflecting off the smooth fabric. It occurs to me that it's made of silk. He wears shoes that look like they're made of the same fabric. No wonder his footfalls were so quiet. I look more closely at the man's robe and I see that there's gold threads running through the fabric. The way the light hits them, it makes me certain that the thread of gold is made of real gold. It's stunning. Around the man's neck is this golden chain unlike anything I've ever seen, even in a museum. The thousands of small links are woven into a beautiful elaborate pattern. Every three inches in the chain is a gold medallion studded with emeralds, sapphires, and rubies. I cannot imagine what something like this is worth. Every finger on his hand has a ring on it. Each is a different design, many of them also adorned with gems. I marvel at the rings. And that's when I noticed the scars. They covered the back of the man's hand and continued up his arm to where they disappear into the sleeve of his robe. As the man sits down, I see his ankles exposed as he sits. They are also scarred. We look him up and down and see that his face is too. Everywhere skin is visible, we see these faded pink and purple scars. But the worst scars are on his hands. What could have caused this, I wonder? I see you look at my rings, he said. They were given to me by my brothers and sisters, each one a gift after God restored me from my trials. You see, Satan tortured me in the land of Uz, but I did not give up on my God. My name is Job. So I don't know about you, but it would have been pretty difficult for me to endure what Job went through during that persecution and not curse. We all know the story. God withdrew his protection from Job and after after pointing out to Satan that Job was a man blameless and upright, and then Satan was able and able to attack and literally took everything from him. Yet Job remained faithful. we go back to the book. You also see my scars, Job continues. That is good. These scars have meaning. There is no pain in them. Not in the scars, not in my words, not even in my story any longer. No pain, only promise. Job leans forward, his voice even and calm, though a bit gravelly when he speaks more quietly. People look at my stature and they often dismiss me. But God, I love the but gods in the Bible, but God, but God gave me the capacity to be bigger on the inside than the outside. He says, no matter what happens to you in the worst of circumstances, in your darkest hour, when you have no answers, even when you are suffering greatly, always remember, says Job with confidence, God sees the big picture. We need to learn how to see the big picture, God's picture for us life, his vision for our future, and his plan for the remainder of our days, and how he sees those we have relationship with. As Christ followers, we are promised persecution in the Bible. So lucky us. Get used to it. But persecution builds character. And during the time of persecution, like Job, we must speak blessing, not cursing over those who are persecuting us. I believe that I failed miserably in this test in 2020 and 2021. So, point two is speaking blessing, not cursing. Point three, Romans 12, 16. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. Be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. Here's where things get a bit tricky. If we don't value ourselves, We can't value others. I've preached a message in the past on self-worth and self-image and how this can affect how we see ourselves as Christians. So I don't want to go into a lot of the detail here again, but how we view ourselves is important. In John Maxwell's book, The 15 Laws of Growth, chapter 3 is titled The Law of the Mirror. And this law simply states that you must value yourself to add value to yourself. But it goes on further to say that we have to see value in ourselves in order to add value to others. If you have no value for yourself, how are you going to possibly value others? You can't. It's not possible. John says that many people don't believe in themselves. They, didn't see the po- they don't see the possibilities that God put in them. They possess a hundred acres of possibilities yet never cultivate them because they are convinced that they won't be able to learn, grow, and blossom into something wonderful. You all have the potential to blossom into something wonderful if you just believe in yourself and believe that God's got your back. If we do what Romans 12, 16 says and, and, and be mindful of another's worth as you are of your own, if you see yourself as having no worth, how can you possibly see others of ha- as having worth? It's said that we get the life we're willing to tolerate. So are we going to tolerate the enemy or others telling us we are worthless? Or are we going to believe what God says about us? Self-reflection question again. Who am I going to believe? I would recommend that you believe what God says about you. <clears throat> I was recently having a conversation with a coaching client of mine, and they said that their self-worth was very low. Now, this person was a believer, so I challenged them to spend the following two weeks, the, the next two weeks, searching out Scripture and writing out the verses that tells us what God's th- what God thinks of us and not what past hurts and traumas or the enemy is trying to tell us. They said that they now keep this list of scripture in their desk drawer at work. And whenever they're feeling, you know, throughout the day, they need to reference it. They pull out that drawer and they're able to read and read what uh, who they are in Christ, which is I think is really cool. Really cool. Now, Zig Ziglar says it's impossible to consistently behave in a manner inconsistent with how we see ourselves. We can do very few things in a positive way if we feel negative about ourselves. If you feel negative about yourself this morning, watching online, watching this message down the road, here in person, then start going through here and finding out what God says you are and claiming those promises over your life. It's going to take some work and some effort, but it'll be worth it in the end. So how do we counteract this negativity about ourselves? We find find value in others as in Romans. We need to get into the Word. Like my coaching client, you need to stand on the promises of God and find out what he says about you. So here's just a few things to get you started. I say I'm unlovable. I'm unlovable. I'm unlovable. But God says I'm forever loved in Romans 8. I say I'm scarred, but God said I'm healed in Isaiah 53. I say I'm weak and God says I am strong in Psalm 18. I say, Lord, I'm broken. But God says he makes me whole in Colossians 2. I say, I feel rejected, Lord. He says, I'm your, I'm, God, I, uh, God says I am his in Isaiah 53. Those times you feel alone, God says he's always with you in Joshua 1. So you're never truly alone. Here's one we could all say, Lord, I've failed. I've failed. And God says I'm victorious with Christ in 1 Corinthians 15. Some of us say, and I said for a lot of years, I'm nothing special. But God says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in Psalm 139. And I know there's some people watching or listening today that are saying i'm worthless but listen to this god says jesus died because you are worth it john 3:16 church we need to see that you we me you have great value great worth that you are loved, and know this so you can show this to others. We also need to renew our minds. Romans 12.2 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Ephesians 4.23 tells us to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And that verse cross-references over to Colossians 3.10, which tells us to be renewed and to know our Creator so we can be like Him. Now, we all get busy. Life gets in the way. We get tired. Well, weariness can affect your mood and your ability to love others. Studies have shown that sleep deprivation has a significant impact on the mood with increasing stress, anger, sadness, and mental exhaustion. So I have a question for you. When's the last time you took a you day? What's that some say? (laughs) A you day. When you quieted yourself. When you stepped away from the day-to-day hustle and bustle of life and recharged. Taking care of ourselves spiritually, mentally, and physically is important. Not doing this will have an effect on how we're able to serve others. Rest is actually encouraged in the Bible. The Sabbath, God rested. If he thought it was important, you think maybe it's important for us once in a while. But I also want to caution here because there's a fine line between resting and laziness. Okay, I knocked the pulpit. So 2 Corinthians 13.11, it says, Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. It's a few simple steps that we need to do. Yes, persecution is going to come. Yes, trials are going to come, but we need to be living in peace. We need to be praying for those who persecute us. First Peter 3.8 says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. So I want to close today with a challenge. Point one was to try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor for one another. Point two was speak blessing, not cursing over those who reject and persecute you. Point three was to live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. So here's the challenge from Romans 12, 20 to 21. And I took this from the Message Bible. It says, our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Now, if somebody offers to buy you lunch after church, don't think that you're their enemy. <laughs> okay, don't get offended by it. Accept it graciously and say, thank you. I'd be honored. Okay, just you know. If he is thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Then it says, never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. So it's time for restoration and healing to take place. Let go of the past Move forward as followers of Christ, living in unity, doing good, and speaking blessing. It's not that hard, but it is. But we can do it. Okay? So, Father God, I just want to thank you for this morning, Lord. I just thank you for this message. I pray that, you know, we will take this to heart, myself included, and that we will start learning to and training ourselves to speak blessings over those who are persecuting us. Father, we love you. We desire to serve you. We want to honor you with our time. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.